Welcome to the teachings of the Renew Community. We are a family of Jesus followers seeking to be formed into the image of Christ and to join God in the renewal of all things. We meet together weekly in large gatherings and in house churches throughout Bucks and Montgomery counties. If you'd like more information on the Renew Community, feel free to check us out at www.renewcommunity.org. God has a really long nose. God has a really long nose. Not in a Pinocchio sort of way, but God has a really long nose. Uh, we've been <clears throat> looking at Exodus 34, 6, and 7, where God declares who God is. Um, <clears throat> again, just to kind of remind ourselves of the context here, God has uh, delivered the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, out of injustice and oppression. Uh, he is now meeting with Moses at Mount Sinai, meeting with the people, and he's entering into covenant with them. You're my people, and this is what it's going to be to represent me to the world, to bring blessing to the nation. And they're all about it. Say, so, yeah, 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 let's do it. And then turn around and build this idol, this golden calf. And I feel like God's probably just this already, like, right away. Uh, so God gets angry. Moses is interceding for the people with God. And, and then Moses gets really angry at the people. Uh, and now they're back on the mountain and Moses and God are interacting. And basically they're, they're renewing this covenant that God is trying to form. And in the midst of renewing this covenant, Moses says to God, show me your glory. And God says, I will, call, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And so this is the scene God is showing Moses all of his goodness, all of his glory. And as, Moses, as God is passing before Moses, God declares these verses from Exodus 34, 6 and 7. Yahweh, Yahweh, the God who is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin, yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished visiting the iniquity of fathers on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. Yahweh, Yahweh, the God who is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast loving kindness and truth. The last gathering, Doug talked about uh, God being compassionate and gracious and today I get to talk about God's long nose, which is literally what this Hebrew says. God is compassionate and gracious and has a long nose. It's a long nose God. Because in the Hebrew language, they use different words to describe anger. And they use these words based on bodily experiences of anger. So in, in the Hebrew Bible, um, anger is referred to as heat or hotness or the nose. You think about maybe the cartoons you've seen where there's smoke coming out of somebody's nose because they're in a rage. That's the picture. I'm trying to paint this picture of where anger might manifest. Has your face ever gotten hot with anger? That's what they're trying to convey. And so throughout the Old Testament in particular, anger is described as, as being hot-nosed. So the opposite of that is that God is actually long-nosed takes a long time for God's nose to get hot, for his anger to come to full expression. 
So to be long-nosed means slow to anger, or as the King James Version puts it, long-suffering. It takes a long time. Patient might be another word that we would use to describe this. Patient. Patient literally means suffering. So patients in a hospital are those who are suffering, come to a doctor for help. But to be patient is to be one who's willing to suffer or to endure, as faith did. Endure, beating for the sake of her faith with patience. God is slow to anger. We're going to hone in on slow to anger today. Uh, And I really just have, um, I think, two things that I want to talk about today. I actually have a whole bunch of stuff that I wrote down. But there's two things that I want to just focus in on. One is, it's good news that God is slow to anger. It's good news that God is slow to anger. I see some nodding heads. um, And I, I just want to open that question up to you all. We're going to have a, a conversation, do something a little bit different with the teaching this morning. I'm going to interact with you all. So I'm, I'm laying that out there, and you may agree with me or you may not. Um, but for the sake of um, rolling with me this morning, how might it be good news that God is slow to anger? I'm going to invite you all to teach me this morning. Anybody have any thoughts? Yeah, Pat. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty sure. So we mess up a lot, and it's good news that God doesn't every time. Gives us lots of them. <clears throat> so, <laughs> So, yeah, lots of impulsive, so I think what you're suggesting there is unhealthy things or unjust things are done out of anger. So it's good that God is slow to anger. If we were in charge, we would do lots of impulsive and destructive things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Any other thoughts? Yeah, Steve. Yeah, thanks for, I, I thought about posing the question, how is it not good news? And I, I think there's lots of them like, yeah, sometimes I wish God wasn't slow to anger for him or for her, at least. Yeah, God is slow to anger, not just for us, but even for others. And that, that can be a hard, hard truth sometimes when we see destructiveness, when we see terrorists at work, can we think, God, <laughs> Why are you being slow to anger? Because 
a deep truth that's hard to accept, that God loves that person, that terrorist, just as much as God loves me. God loves you. I think about, yeah, the this, this story that we're in in Exodus, that Pharaoh was given opportunity after opportunity. That God was actually slow to anger with Pharaoh. Saying, Pharaoh, that guy's been enslaving Israel's, Israelites for a long time and oppressing them. God, just smack him and get it over with. Pharaoh's given lots of opportunities to repent. And he's seeing God's power on display before him. Uh, interestingly, Pharaoh actually suffers the same fate that he had prescribed for the Egyptian children, to drown in water. Yeah. Any other thoughts on how God being slow to anger is good news? Say that again. We can be very slow to agree on how to fix something, especially with things we can Even if we've agreed that it's Yeah, it takes time to fix things, even if we know that something is broken. Yeah, Bob. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, I wish I would have been holding the mic for you there. I hope most people heard that. Um, God is slow to anger. That's good news because that means God is approachable. If you think about the people that you see who you can tell they're in a rage, how likely are you? Hey, buddy, how's it going today? Like, no, that guy, he looks angry and he might be angry at me, so I'm going to keep my distance. Uh, but God is approachable. Uh, we're not walking on eggshells. Um, God wants us to approach him. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, yeah, that's a word for us, <laughs> to be slow to anger, to give us space to process our own. It's not wrong to be angry. Uh, how do we process that, and how are we slow to anger? It's good news because it gives us a chance to change and see things from God's perspective. Yeah, you guys are way better at writing sermons than I am. All right, so I think a lot of great ground covered there. I'm trying to think if there's anything that I would like to add in that. All right, so here's my second, second big statement. It is good news that God gets angry. It is good news that God gets angry. All right, so now you gotta tell me, how is that true? You may or may not agree, again.
Yeah. Yeah, there are things that ought to cause anger. There are things that are worthy to get angry about. I think team, uh, Steve kind of led us a little bit in that direction. It's good news that God gets angry. Yeah, any other thoughts? <laughs> Say that again. <laughs> His anger is very... <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah but the, God gets angry for the right reasons, and his response to anger is... Or his response out of his anger is appropriate and just and righteous. God God differentiates between mistakes and willful disobedience, willful rejection. see you, Dave. I think it's what's really interesting, I think, in, in this, God is describing God's self to us, and God describes God's self as slow to anger. One of the important things, I think, for us to recognize is, Johnny was saying, like, yeah, not just this big cuddle puppy, but also it can be tempting on the other side to see God as an angry God, as like, God's just fundamentally angry. No, God is slow to anger. God's not ang God is not an angry God, but God does get angry. And there's a difference there, and that's an important distinction. God's not walking around simmering on boil, and then anything we do, any mistake we make, like, that's it, you're done. But God does get angry, and that, that willful disobedience, that's the thing throughout the scripture that we see. It's People mess up and God, God extends grace, but it's when people are like flipping God the bird and walking away, God says, all right, that's what you want. I'm gonna, like, that's actually how God's anger gets expressed most commonly in scripture. This phrase, God handed them over. 
God hands him over. That's what you want. You're going to worship the gods of Assyria and Babylon? All right, here comes Assyria. Here comes Babylon. That's what you want. Not going to be good for you. Yeah, David. Yeah. 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 That is a, a huge, huge truth for us. I'd much rather have a God who gets angry than a God who is indifferent and apathetic and does not care. And that helps us root God's anger in God's angry responses in God's love, his goodness, his care for us. Yeah, Clyde. Yeah. Thank you. Helping bring us home, Clyde. <laughs> yeah, a phrase. Uh, sorry, go ahead, Bob. It seems that God's anger restores order. Mm. If you think that we've crossed the line, there's a kind of a funny thing that happens to us. So if I cross the line of authority and I realize Yeah, there's a, a restorative aspect of God's anger. Uh, yeah, I mentioned one of the one of the phrases that's used frequently for God's judgment, God's anger is that He hands hands them over, hands people over, or gives them over. Um, Paul picks up on this. Which, by the way, there's there's not an angry God of the Old Testament and a loving God of the New Testament. I think you all recognize that, but. There's lots of pictures of God's love in the First Testament. And Jesus didn't shy away from talking about God's anger. Yes, he absolutely shined a spotlight on God's compassion and grace through his teaching and through his healing, saying, this is the goodness of God. This is what God wants for you. But if you're not, if if you don't want it, then God's not going to give it to you. He's going to give you what you want. And that's the anger. That's, that's the death that you all are choosing. You can follow my teaching or you can build your house on a sand. When the flood comes, 
you will be destroyed. So God gives them over, gives people over. And so God handed the people over to his enemy. And that phrase is picked up on, excuse me, this is part of the reason why I didn't want to talk too much. There's a phrase that shows up a few times in the First Testament with this idea of God giving them over, and it's called God's cup of wrath. And what, what the prophets were saying is, yes, you're going to drink of God's cup of wrath. And what they were referring to is being destroyed and enslaved and oppressed by Babylon, by Assyria. You're going to be handed over to the hands of your enemy. You will drink the cup of God's wrath. You've chosen this, and you will drink the cup of God's wrath. This is the phrase that Jesus is referring to when he's praying in Gethsemane. God, if, it, if it's your will, let this cup pass from me. I don't, I really don't want to suffer at the hands of the Roman oppressors. But if that's the only way, then I'll do it. And as Clyde points out, this is the picture of God's love and anger. That Jesus takes this cup of wrath for us. And that becomes the birth of new life. That by willingly surrendering to this cup, to the hand of his oppressors, rather than using the destructiveness to stand up and try to fight them like Jesus Barabbas, if you know of him, (laughs) that's what he was trying to do. And now all of a sudden Jesus, you've got Jesus Barabbas and Jesus of Nazareth side by side on trial before Rome. The one who deserves that cup of wrath, the one who was trying to fight Rome, kill Rome, is set free. When Jesus, the Son of God, drinks that cup of wrath for us so that we can taste God's love and goodness. Just land here with Romans 5, 8 through 11. God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, but we also exalt in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. God wants us to draw near. God is slow to anger, and God wants us to draw near to him, that he can demonstrate his love and his goodness to us. I invite our worship team up, and we'll respond and worship to this God who is slow to anger. Uh, as they're coming up, I'll, I know like this can be a really heavy topic. Um, thank you all for engaging with me. Um, I've actually been wrestling with this for quite a few weeks and preparing. Uh, it's been shaping for me. I feel like I'm understanding. 
what God's anger looks like and, and have a deeper appreciation for God's love. But if you're wrestling with anything, I'd love to chat with you more about this. Um, yeah, I, I know there can be some really hard things. And I, I'll still admit, there are, there are lots of stories in Scripture where I look and say, is that God being slow to anger? <laughs> like, and, and when those stories come, I feel like there's this invitation to say, there must be something deeper going on here that I don't see. And so, God, I want to trust you in that. Or there might be situations where you are experiencing suffering. And I had this encounter a couple weeks ago. I'm suffering, and I'm wondering if maybe God's angry at me. And there's no easy answer to that question. <laughs> My sense is, I, if God's angry at you, he still loves you and he wants goodness for you. I think that's the truth. Um, but I also want to recognize, like, I, so Faith, for example, her story, like, she's getting beaten by her brother. She'd be like, man, is God angry about, about something for me? I know. That's just... Somebody else whose heart is hard. So if you're experiencing the abuse of somebody else, it's not. I don't think that's God at work. Um, yeah. Just have another thought that popped into my head and it left me. What was it? Um, Oh yeah, like that's that's the that's the picture of you know yeah we talked about God handing the Israelites over to their enemies, but that's not where that story started. They were enslaved to Egypt because of Joseph's righteousness, because of Joseph's faith, right? Like they weren't there suffering because God was angry at them. They were there suffering because there's wicked people in the world. There's wicked people who need to experience the love of God. Um, so thank you, God, for the love of Christ. We worship you because you are slow to anger and abounding, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Amen.